0: It's just Cadals. Right, beep Hello, friends. Probably family too, because we have a tiny, miserably small audience. This is witty banter, episode number one hundred and fifty-four. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams, and joining me it's Crypto Diesel himself, Hunter Dorsett. What up? What up? How's it going? Pretty well, man. Uh, we're recording on a Wednesday again because we we're just. Long John in it around the schedule. It's pretty nice. On a you and I. Wednesday. <laughs> We're getting comfortable with each other. It's good. Um, Hunter, this show is all about the alcoholic beverages. And let's go ahead and get right to it. Because I saw something in your hand that kind of looked like a beer can, but also kind of looked like a weapon of warfare. What are you drinking today?
1: Yeah, man. This thing looks like a tank missile. Um, so, little back story <laughs> behind this is... This is a Crowler that was won by Miss Mandy Elkins. Dude, she won that? At a trivia at Eureka Heights Brewery.
0: You're drinking out of a trophy.
1: Yeah, I literally am. So uh, she demanded that I pour her up part of it. So I gave her that before the show. But this is the Moo Caliente. uh, And on the front of it, it's got kind of like a 70s color scheme. With udders that are shooting out. Um, <laughs> and on shooting the bottom, out his, ro- it's, it's yeah, a, the like udders are a rocket ship, right? Yeah. yeah. They could be and shooting out
0: a lot of things, so and <laughs> we can't just leave that open.
1: Hey, man, I like the interpretation. Yeah, uh, we leave it exactly. A heroic milk stout with cayenne. It is 6% alcohol by volume. And uh, yeah, this bad boy is 32 ounces. So I might be getting silly at the end of this.
0: Right off the bat, I thought to myself, and no offense, Hunter, I thought, ooh, gross. Cayenne pepper in a milk stout? (laughs) Come on. What's going on there?
1: So I've had this drink. I will be uh, completely transparent. I've had this drink before, and uh, it is definitely not lacking in the cayenne register. Right. Um, (laughs) That being said, it's surprisingly uh, palatable. You Because I hear cayenne and I'm like, wow, a spice
0: that probably everyone in the country has in their, you know, in their shelf, you know, something mm-hmm. that's kind of generic and, and everywhere, but, and yeah. I don't know, like I get, I get adding peppers to beer, but I feel like you should be doing it through the actual whole pepper itself and just like tossing <laughs> spice in there. I don't know. It was just weird to me, but <laughs>
1: I'll, anyway, I'll give you my I'll give you my two cents later on
0: that crawler's badass though man that's cool that it, it's a trophy I've only done trivia a couple times and I've the last time I did trivia I actually had a good bit of fun do you do trivia often like bar trivia
1: so we did trivia a little bit more last year before busy season I will tell you that the first time that I had done it in a while when Mandy and I went like I was slaying like all of the yeah. ones that I was suggesting that didn't end up being the ones that we chose i was right and then everyone and then i ended up being like pretty you know valuable on some of the other ones but then every other game after that i was just back to average joe knowledge yeah not very helpful
0: (laughs) dude it it totally reminds me of how poor i am at geography states and capitals because sometimes those show up often and i'm like holy fuck like these i i couldn't even tell you which one of these was the state you know like yeah awful but um anyway what
1: frustrates me is music dude everyone's like oh you're the music guy you're the music guy right and yeah, i like, don't
0: listen to fucking pop music sorry you i don't listen
1: be- to pop music i don't listen to old music i don't listen to music i don't like and that's yeah. like 98 percent of music
2: <laughs> exactly
0: oh my god um okay so hunter i've got like a fucking just bombshell of a whiskey tonight all right damn i was saving this one for just a time when it seemed appropriate to drink, and today seems like one of those days. It is a Glenn Rothis 1988 single malt scotch whiskey. Damn. This fucker has been aged 1988?
1: for, for almost 25 years. years, dude. That's sick.
0: It's epic as hell. Um, I looked it up, you know, because I, I, wanted, I wanted to get a lay of the land on what I was supposed to taste, and the dollar tag... The price tag totally lives up to the number uh, next to it. I'm like, oh my God, this is so (laughs) stupid. Why do we have this in our house? Uh, (laughs) It's even got on its label, it looks like... I can't tell if it's real or not. I don't think it is. It looks like it's printed, but it's like handwritten signatures, the dates that it was taken out of the cask and put into a barrel for aging and all that and bottled and stuff. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, man, we're going to find out throughout the course of this next hour if this is like the best scotch of all time or what the deal is, you know, we're,
1: we're both bringing some, uh, some heavy hitters, some artillery today. Dude,
0: that's yeah. Well, you know what? Houston's (laughs) on the upswing right now. Yeah. As well go ahead and throw in that. We won a very crucial game. Uh, number four, the Rockets did just last night at the time of this recording. When this goes up, it'll be, yeah, Thursday will have been the next game and we'll know and. People listening will already know who who won that. But it dude, was so
1: clutch, man. Have you been watching? I've been super busy this week. I haven't been able to watch the games themselves, but They've I have been, been definitely good tracking. Games.
0: Like, despite uh, even the outcome of of the series, like, it's good basketball, and I've been very thankful for that. You know what yeah. I mean? absolutely. Um, but no, dude, that was that was fucking crazy. I so, didn't realize
1: that we, they were playing at Golden State, man. That's, su- that's super clutch that we, like you know Golden State started off the series stealing one from us at home. Yep. And then we went back and freaking took it right back before going heading back.
0: Well, before the series started with them, the stat was that James Harden was performing better away than he was at home, and I was like, "Well, that's fucking
1: weird." Yeah. But kind of cool. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, man. But dude, so time has been kind of passing by. We had those episodes where you weren't on the show and then you were. And kind of catching up, overtook what had actually happened uh, with me a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to talk to you about. And okay. I went and saw fucking Slayer, damn, at, <laughs> at the first show of their farewell tour.
1: Oh, they're doing they're doing their send off, yes. victory lap, yes. Damn. Okay. Well, and fuck. I, how was it, dude? And I
0: was at the beginning of the end. It was, <laughs> They had five. Uh, they had five acts. All right. This was fucking nuts, dude. Wow. They had, the first one was Testament. And then you don't have to know all these bands, by the way. Like, I don't really <laughs> even know them very
1: well. Like I'm like, all right, love yeah. them.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah, Slaughter <laughs> of the Soul, one of my favorites. Um, Testament, Behemoth, which is like a black metal corpse paint kind of band.
1: Yeah, I think I actually know Behemoth. Right.
0: And then uh, after them
1: was Anthrax. And I saw <laughs> Anthrax play.
0: And They're like hair this- metal, right? I mean, dude, Anthrax just has like a couple songs and Guitar Hero, and after after like seeing Anthrax live and being like, they kind of almost sound better than they do on the recordings, and then thinking, <laughs> this isn't really for me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool seeing them. They're obviously legendary. And then after them was Lamb of God, and oh, they man. were wow. a spectacle. And then came Slayer, and Slayer played for like an hour. Um. And dude, I'm here to tell you that it was one of the most intense spectacles I've ever seen. Like, I have seen Metallica live. I've listened to metal music. Uh, You know, Metallica has rock songs and ballads and shit. From point A to point B, start to finish, Slayer did not fucking lay off
1: the gas, dude. (laughs) I mean, it's their farewell tour, man. It
0: was so fast and loud and intense. And, dude, like, after seeing it live, I think Raining Blood has cemented itself as, like, one of the top three metal songs for me. Damn. It was devastatingly heavy.
1: I can only Why? imagine how intense the crowd would be, not only at a Slayer concert in general, but at a Slayer Fel- farewell tour where it's Dude. like just starting and everyone's like.
2: This is the last time,
0: you know. It was a little more tame than you would expect, though. Oh, okay. In fact, I was standing right in front of the sound booth, which is where they also say like you typically have the best sound. So there was no Mm -hmm. one behind me, and I could kind of like hang out on this rail, and it was just the perfect fucking spot, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, the crowd. I got several several people came up to me who were also like more my age, and were like, "Dude, I fucking love the sword," because I was wearing my (laughs) sword shirt. (laughs) Or they would come up and be like, dude, nobody knows the sword. Holy shit. You know, it was, it was the best feeling. It was the best. <laughs> so are you so are you familiar with a lot of Slayer? I've only listened. So I only started listening to them uh, like probably about a year and a half, two years ago now at this point. And I started with just their first album and I loved it. And then I mm-hmm. kind of went to their second. And I really liked that too. But that was it. Yep. But it was those songs that made up basically the last like four or five songs of the concert. And they were fucking, they just brought the house down with that, you know? And so it yeah. was, I, I didn't know a, a lot of them, but it was just such an experience anyway, you know?
1: Sick, dude. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Getting getting out there, checking it out. I uh, I <laughs> fucking got to, I got to uh, finally check out uh, the Avengers Infinity War movie.
0: <gasps> After our little conversation
1: last week, what did you think? So, spoiler alert, everybody right? But, um, yeah, I... You know, what was weird was I was having trouble identifying, like, so is this the climax? Like, if things Mm -hmm. were going on and then, like, you'd go to a new scene or a new landscape and then things would, action things would be happening, I'm like, wait, wait, so is this, is this the climax? And I, and it was truly like, uh, I was not expecting the movie to end when it did. I really was not. (laughs) And I love that, dude. So that's yeah, that's that's the first time that that's ever happened um, with a Marvel movie for me, and so yeah, it was. Well, when I, was I thought it was good, but oh. I didn't. I wasn't as blown away as I thought it would be. I guess I thought I would get a little more out of it than I ended up getting.
0: Yeah, I felt kind of lost in most of it. Uh, I felt like I was waiting at times during it. But I also enjoyed aspects like I really liked what was going on with Thor's character. Thor continues to be my favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. Yeah, um, his,
1: his him and Chris Pratt at the beginning was fucking hilarious. They were
0: pretty funny. But <laughs> yeah, when we were talking beforehand, I told you that I could spoil the plot in a single sentence,
1: which is that what Thanos wins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, fucking uh, yeah. we should have said spoiler alert right before we dropped it. But yeah. I did. Well, you yeah, but you whatever. Anyway, if two tough shit, Thanos, uh, yeah, like Thanos fulfills his quest, you know, and I was like, wow, that's not what I expected and kind of badass. And I think Thanos is a really fucked up character, but at least they did some stuff to try to make him a little more down to earth. It was Um, pretty
1: cool when he kicked the shit out of the Hulk, even though I was kind of like, come on, you know, (laughs) it's the fucking Hulk. His whole thing is he just gets mad. But yeah, no, it was it was definitely cool. Glad
0: I saw it. Well, uh, yeah, dude, we'll, let's just keep the momentum rolling. We've got news to talk about, Hunter. This is Witty Banter. I got all, like, trumpety, like, like yeah. you did. <laughs> I mirrored you. Call, Call and low. response, oh, dude. Yeah. God,
2: exactly. We're <laughs> just jazzing it up right now.
0: Look, man, um, last week you had talked about those bicycles that you could hop on anywhere, pay for a period of time to ride it. You were right. talking about scooters and we talked about bikes mm-hmm. and how this was kind of like a new thing. Um, someone brought someone that I met this weekend brought these up and told me that in China, there are these mass bicycle graveyards that consist of these bikes. <laughs> and when I went and looked it up, I discovered that it pretty much appears to me that China has already sort of tried to introduce these bikes in mass to get them picked up. And I guess a part of like everyday life and they didn't take and the, uh, I'm looking at a, a guardian article and it's a gallery of photos from above of these lots that are just full <laughs> of bikes, just <laughs> like, like tens of thousands of them, yeah. dude. Yeah. And, it's kind of blowing my mind in a bunch of different directions where on the one hand I'm thinking, does this mean, um, it won't like take root in America and it'll be a failed experiment here too. Is this mean we are getting these from China because they're literally worthless to them right now. And and these businesses in America are like, well, these bikes are super fucking cheap. We'll Mm -hmm. just take them and make some money off of them real quick. (laughs) Um, and it, it, When you see the scale of these photos, it really makes you think that these are not going to be the future. Like, these won't be around in a couple years.
1: Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a couple things come to mind with that. I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that, one, China is incredibly expansive as a geography. And, two, that it's highly ruralized. Like, I, I think that it makes sense for this sort of effort to take place in a place like san diego or santa monica or la downtown um that being said i don't know if it's the best way for like you know a rural chinese guy to make his way around china
2: (laughs) Um, yeah
0: and it it shows the images in more uh, like urban settings but i hear what you mean like yeah the majority of china is rural um but you know they have millions of people in their cities i think i could god dude i don't know anything about the world
2: yeah
1: (laughs) and and yeah i don't want to generalize that like you know it 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 didn't take root or it did take root in rural or urbanized areas in china but I, and i also feel like it's probably just like a di- different you know culture and like it might just be used for different circumstances that being mm-hmm. said i have no idea um when that would have started and like i guess what the terms were for them using or dropping off the bike you know, I, the thing that I think is interesting about the way that it works, when I tried it, was that it gets locked um, as you're, like, you're getting charged by the minute, and mm-hmm. so whenever you kind of are using it, it's unlocked, and then when you want to stop getting charged, you have to lock it, and so... Can it ever lock itself? I don't know. I didn't... Because uh, I would I d-
0: think that would be extremely dangerous.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't wait around to try, but... Yeah, I wasn't uh, trying to find out. <laughs> Yeah, but I that's don't know. It,
0: these these images just put like a different perspective on what those bikes were. Uh, I just thought it was it, it, it was kind of serendipitous that they they popped mm-hmm. up. But Hunter, this next one, this next article, uh, it, it's kind of funny. I can I can segue into this through a text that I got from Mandy on Saturday night, hmm. and it was just something to the effect of, "Hey, I'm drunk right now. When are you <coughs> coming to uh, Texas next? And please don't tell Hunter to play Fortnite." <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I just I laughed.
0: I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious. And so, yeah, this article. We were,
1: yeah, we we were talking with a buddy, and and he's very convinced that Fortnite is the greatest game of all time. So,
0: so who is this guy? How old is he? I, I I'm gonna get to the article, but I also want to talk to you about Fortnite because it's been percolating in on the internet amongst people who follow video games for a while now. Mm-hmm. But I do think it has reached this. Uh, point of critical mass where I want to talk about it. And so let's get was, that conversation rolling.
1: Yeah, I was wondering how much uh, of an opinion you had formed about it. Basically, uh, the guy that I know that is uh, preaching the gospel of Fortnite is a guy named Zach. He was my roommate in college for three years. And uh, and yeah, man, he's just like, dude, it's free. You like build stuff. Even if you're a noob, you can kind of like keep keep alive long enough to still have fun And it's uh, his ultimate thing is that it like reinvigorates the um, massive online, you know, meeting up with your buddies kind of coalescing bond, you know, the the way that we did with Halo back in sixth grade. Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: No, I dude, I I'm right there with him. All of that. You know, it's it's crazy watching it because you are seeing just players of of such uh, scale in their celebrity talk about it. Like on Lewis Hamilton's Instagram story, it was like, mm. Oh, I accidentally stayed up till 3am playing Fortnite for the first time. And I'm like, Lewis fucking Hamilton <laughs> is talking about Fortnite right now.
1: A person who's obsessed with his image, you know, Drake,
0: you know, yeah, the whole Drake. thing with uh, him streaming with Ninja, all of this stuff. And you talk about how it's reinvigorating this like social space. It's almost, uh, it's similar to, like before, video games came along. People would just go hang out with in, at bars and community spots. Now we hang out online, and it's become this meetup for so many people. But specifically, like kids, this game is skewing super young. Uh, and I think that like the art style, the art direction of it is just very playful and cartoony, and mm-hmm. also unique. Which is why Fortnite continues to stand out. Is because you know it when you see it. Yeah. And it has an identity to it. Um, and I see like kids at the baseball stadium downtown do that floss dance all the time. Hmm. And that's one of the emotes in Fortnite. And I'm not trying to get into like a chicken and the egg conversation, but it's just the fact that this game is so big that, and there's so many like kids playing it and people playing it that this thing is a generator of culture right now. You know, it is disseminating culture and that dance is a prime example of it.
1: It's like the biggest the biggest sort of uh epidemic or not epidemic, but you know, I guess a good epidemic to, to reach out and uh grab onto people since like Pokemon Go, you know.
0: Yeah. But it, I think this one has so much more sticking power because Yeah, it's it is. gonna
1: stick around and like be a legitimate force for the for the future. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Um, Anyway, this brings us to to the news article. Epic Games will provide $100 million for Fortnite esports tournament prize pools in the first year of competitive play. And this comes Damn. from Epic's own website, and it basically says: Fortnite competitors, grab your gear, drop in, and start training. Since the launch of Fortnite Battle Royale, we've watched the passion of the community competition grow, and we can't wait to empower you to battle with the best in the 2018-2019 season. Epic Games will provide 100 million dollars to fund prize pools for Fortnite competitions. Um, Damn! Staggering, staggering article. Start, staggering yeah. headline. It's like insane. It's so such a big thing to do, and. When it's money that that is that, when it's money that's that big, you really recognize that they are just taking what they have earned and fucking doubling down. They are <laughs> reinvesting in Fortnite. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. They're really trying to, uh, I guess, like establish that it's not going anywhere, and to incentivize people to keep playing it. They don't want to be a. Able- a one-trick pony kind of, you know, effort, I guess, which is pretty fucking smart and
0: cool. And I, I hope that with money this big, um, and how ascendant Fortnite has become in just like pub the public lexicon, <laughs> I hope this is the thing that like maybe breaks down a few walls for esports and the mainstream consciousness in America. I know Max t- uh, usually says like, why do we care about having the video games we like on a television or on cable? And I I'd always see where he's coming from and almost kind of agree. But there is, like, this innate desire inside of me to have esports competitions on cable because it is this legitimizer in the eyes of the generation above us and so on and so forth. And yeah. when you see money like this, it's just like, wow, is is that where this is headed? Is this going to be something big that my grandparents have to ask me about, you know? like
1: <laughs> Yeah, and, like, plus, dude, while... I acknowledge that, you know, the millennial generation is going to be watching a lot of stuff online. A lot of times it's just easier to watch things on TV. And I think it would be cool to just like. You know, I'm getting into Goichi and and watching him just ball all over people. At DBFC. Yeah, I would love to just turn on the TV and it's on right and just and watch it, him. With just production slay people, value, yeah.
0: With commentators that are paid professionals who have benefits, so they can make a living off of it. Like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, I totally agree, dude. And it is. There's just so. There's just a few more extra steps usually to getting to a stream or Some using a polish. service. You yeah. know, like yeah, you got to fucking. Wiggle around it a bit, but anyway, uh, I told Mandy that she didn't have to worry because you would not like Fortnite. Was my guess.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I'm. I'll. I'll try anything. That being said, it's a third person shooter. It's, it's a, shooter. a third person shooter. And but that was Zach's point. Was Zach was like, dude, I don't like third person shooters either, dude. It sucks. Yeah. But okay. This is this is not your. Th- Typical third-person shooter, bro. And He's like, right. Oh, boy. I mean,
0: that building aspect of it, like, changes the, the look of how the game is played considerably. You know, when you do watch high-level play, which I've only seen snippets of, and I don't play the game, so I really don't have an understanding of its rules, but you see that they are doing things that require finesse that have never been possible in a, in a game prior to this because no game has ever done what they have done. You yeah. know what I mean? And and
1: that's fucking special, dude. I mean, it, it almost seems like they basically just fused people's favorite aspects of, like, Minecraft and Overwatch and just put D- it yes, in one yeah. fucking game. Well, yeah. it,
0: or or even just took... They they recognized... And they the thing what's so weird about this game is that it was announced, like, years ago. This game has been in development for a long time, so it's clearly huh. been, like, changing and evolving before release.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they just now decided to go with it, but... The fact that there is a established like network of understanding in children and people from Minecraft, like a set <laughs> of un- like that being a genre, people understanding how games like that operate and how allowing them to take that knowledge and just simply pick it up and move it into now a game that was typically just played uh, shooting style where it was really like a game of tag mm-hmm. and like letting the two flourish. It's an, it, that's that's really awesome, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely keeping my eyes and ears open for an opportunity to try it. Um mm-hmm. that being said, I'm not sure I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure if I, you know, I'm just I'm happy with the amount of video game plan I'm doing with DBFZ. Yeah. And I'm getting all of those, you know, um uh, communal feels by getting to hang out with you and Max and Dooney and everybody online. But you
0: can hang out with Zach on Fortnite for free yeah. on a night that you can play And it's fucking, DBZ. he's saying too that it's cross console, like it's cross platform. Yeah. if you got it on I think it's just PC to Xbox, cross play. I oh don't know. really? Because he yeah. was
1: making it out like, if you're on PS4, you could play me. On and Xbox. he's on Xbox?
0: Yeah. No, that can't happen. Uh- <laughs> Okay. There is a Trump-sized wall between those two <laughs> contests.
1: <laughs> wow. I like the reference. <laughs>
0: um, all right, man. Well, next story. Uh, keeping us in the esports realm, this is an article from a, like a very PR kind of driven news website, so it's, it's going to be a little hard to read, so bear with me. But the, the headline is, Arab Esports Federation and Global Esports Resources Announced 11 country agreement to consolidate esports activities.
1: Oh, you got it, like an EU of esports.
0: Yeah, this is nuts, man. <laughs>
2: EU uh, sports.
0: <laughs> EU sports. God damn it. Um, the, the very first paragraph is the Arab Esports Federation and the Global Esports Resources, which is uh, located in Germany. Oh, no, never mind. Never mind. Sorry. That's just that's just the anacronym, Chase. Uh, wake the fuck up. Uh, today announced their partnership agreement, signed April 19th, 2018. There's some more information here, but Hunter, the reason why I brought this was because I just didn't... It It's showing the global reach of competitive video game playing yeah. and seeing it legitimized in another block of geography in the world to give... Uh, both kids and adults alike avenues to actually do this hobby in a official capacity is just fucking awesome to me
1: what i'm wondering what the idea or the objective of such a of a consolidation effort is like i'm, I'm wondering kind of what the uh, the result is do you have any a, idea
0: i would guess regulation of tournament winnings and how those are paid the relationships between players and sponsors hmm. to protect each other and not to have like a legal shit going on yeah, that just, might be predatory
1: uniform legality and stuff
0: yeah something like that that'd be my first guess
1: cool well that's cool i mean and and it and it's headed by like the uh the like an what is it Arab? it was some era <laughs> Arab Arab of
0: no, <laughs> no, no. no. It was I already closed the tab. Let me bring it up real quick. Uh, the Arab Esports Federation. Hmm. So it's cool. an institution. And then they paired with another institution called the Global Esports Resources. And honestly, like both ourselves and our audience, we can just plug those uh, institutions into Google and just figure out what they're what they're about. I'm sure.
1: Right. You wonder if the U.S. is going to be, like, trying to do similar things or if there's interstate agreements or whatever.
0: I had it on the news docket for a second and took it off, but there was that Supreme Court decision, like, a week ago that was allowing sports gambling and, like, putting it back onto the states to regulate, and within that was included gambling on eSports, you know? Wow. Cool.
1: So... You, know, you think you'll like, be uh, gambling on some uh, on some go dude? <laughs> I don't fucking gamble, dude. I don't either.
0: It's weird. I have friends who like every day they're gambling.
1: Oh yeah, every one of my ple- oh not everyone, but a lot of my pledge brothers gamble, and uh, and then they start talking about specifics, like they're talk like the, yeah that Supreme Court decision. They started talking about it whenever I went to a wedding this weekend, and they were like, "So do you think that that inherently places more value on the underdog?" And they're like. Yeah, but you're talking about the handle versus the, and I'm like, God, dude, I. They literally got the own know Nothing, shit. yeah, and I'm like, dude, yeah. I know nothing about this shit. <laughs> Me
0: neither. I don't know. i just, I don't have fucking cash lying around like that. Come on, <laughs> five dollars here, twenty bucks there. My my, my, my friend a had a
1: very healthy view of it, where he's like, I don't really bet on anything unless I think that it's like an easy win, or I'm like really confident with the with what I'm gambling, or. If it's something where it's like a big event and I'm going to be watching it regardless, like the Super Bowl or like, you know, the NBA finals. And I don't really give a shit about either team either way. And it just kind of gets me more involved. And I'm like, okay, that's a very healthy way of doing it. I like it.
0: I like it. All right, Hunter, that is all the news. Let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll be back right after this. All right. If you want to keep up with the show After the microphones have turned off Be sure to follow us on social media By searching Witty Banter Show On Twitter and Instagram And liking us on Facebook Facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast
1: Want to steer the conversation Or be a part of the show Just go on down to WittyBanterShow.com And leave us a suggestion for a beer Or a question for us to answer on the show and if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review, and feel free to share it with your friends. Yeah. Let's get back to it. Pero pepo. Pito pepo. Pero pepo.
0: All right, welcome back, everybody. Still witty banter. <laughs> That's a still first time We're just going back and forth, man. <laughs> um, Hutter, how how's how's the beer? How's it become? Is it still taste delicious? How's the pepper?
1: Okay, so first off, you know. Back, just a reminder for everybody, this is the Eureka Heights Moo M-O-O Caliente, and it is a milk stout with cayenne pepper, 6% ABV. It is a dark beer. Um, it's pretty thick. Um, it's not like a very high in the chug meter That being said, it's not, um, it's not like super carbonated or anything, so it has a little bit of like a syrupiness to it. Um, man, that cayenne is just there. Um that being said does I it hit you like, in the back of the throat? I feel like it's more of like actually kind of a front end thing. Hmm. Where like you like get to capsa- say some heat. It's not a it's not a heat as much as it is just like it's like just uh, putting you know a, a a thumbnail worth of of cayenne just on your tongue and then immediately mm. taking it away kind of. Interesting. Um So more about the
0: flavor then?
1: Yeah, you get a lot of the flavor, but you don't get much heat involved with it. I think there's a little bit of heat, but I think it gets kind of um, drowned out as you're drinking it with the the sweetness of the beer and the smoothness of the beer um, because the beer is kind of creamy. But it's good. You know, I I, I definitely respect the effort and I think that, um, you know, it's, I'd rather have this than just like a milk stout that didn't really do anything that was of note. You know.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think about how they would go about creating that feeling in the actual beer. And you have to wonder if the flavor that they imparted or the part of the beer that they they imparted the cayenne is maybe like a different consistency, like more oily or something, where it is a little bit separated from the rest of the st- like solution and that's why it hits you first like yeah i mean
1: that being said i just took two more sips and like there is like a little bit of a twinge of heat of not not like hot as in beer hot hot as in pepper hot so you do maybe i'm overplaying that it's not hot because it is there it's definitely there so i don't know yeah it's it's definitely different I can't yeah. tell if it's like, I can't tell if it's like a strikeout, but a good strikeout or, <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's interesting that you
0: can't really settle on an understanding of it yet, which means it's probably a little complex, which is nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's got some character. So the, I still got the Roth. it's 1988 over here. Um, and dude, like the whole point of aging alcohol is that it just becomes softer and mm-hmm. not as harsh and everything that's inside the barrel is just melting together a little bit more. So you just have a very like creamy, smooth and subdued, but like fucking rich palate with mm-hmm. this. <laughs> um, it's not smoky at all. It's okay. a little sweet. The body is nice, it's like 43% alcohol by volume, and it's 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 easy to drink, right? Like you can yeah. you can take a decent sized sip of it and you know, if if it hits you right, it's just it's really pleasant. And there is a ton of, not maybe not citrus, but berry, like dark hmm. berries, um, spices like nutmeg, that kind of stuff, hmm. that kind of swirly do. <laughs> um, that's more of the the side of the spectrum that this one's like lighting up for me.
1: Would you say it's the your favorite of the different uh, whiskeys that you've had so far? Because I know you've liked some. Or or were you just doing scotches?
0: No, I mean, scotches are technically whiskeys, but there's been some non-scotch whiskeys that I've drank. Yeah. And I tend to like scotches more, just across the board. And mm-hmm. th- to answer your question, I mean, this is one where it's just... If you, if you will want it, if you're opening it up, it's because you want to enjoy just a really fucking good whiskey. Yeah. And it is amongst... My favorite, yeah, absolutely. Right? Okay. Like, it's, it's it's the top shelf, bro. Yeah, top yeah shelf you shelf.
1: don't fuck with other than top shelf, bro. All
0: right, dude. Um, let's move on to our segment. We are okay. going to top three today. Top three! That actually comes from our mailbox. And I'm, I, I thought it was a really good question, so I wanted to go ahead and spin it out into its own segment. And it's from Dunter Horse Set. And the parameters are. If you could meet three famous people tomorrow, which famous people would you like to meet? The whole point of this question is that there are is that any person you choose is currently alive, and you would meet them in the present, so not at the height of their career or any other time. Mm-hmm. So I like it; it's got some specifics to it.
1: Yeah, and you know I was thinking about it at halftime. You even gave it to me before the uh, the show, and I have been asked this. Um, A number of times And I think that there's just a, a variety of ways Of going about it It's one of those ones where like It's very likely I'm just gonna shoot out a LaGrange answer And yeah, not be dude, happy with it just,
0: There's a constant fear in all of our hearts <laughs> That any sentence We utter could be the next LaGrange movie.
1: God forbid Yeah Um. So yeah I mean I gotta go back to the, I gotta go back to the people that when this question does come up, that just kind of pop up first, or that are just just seem interesting, or that I would just enjoy it, you know. Like for instance, this just to give you a little headspace before I give my first answer. So Tom York is my favorite musician. He's my idol musician. He's not gonna be on this list.
0: Same here. I don't have any like members of Rush on here and stuff like that. Because for me, I am thinking about it. Like I'm going to have a moment of this person's time. I want to make sure that I can talk to them and yeah. I can't relate to fucking
1: Getty Lee. And Neil <laughs> Pert, you know, yeah. there's nothing there. Yeah. But somebody that I think has achieved like a, you know, a verifiable amount of fame, but he's lived a life that I feel like if I could do something similar, that I'd be a happy guy. And that he would be a very enjoyable person to talk to would be Jack Black.
0: Oh, that's a good choice, dude.
1: So I he just feel be be like, like if I met him, I would just, yeah, I would just be like, you know, if I got to sit down, have a meal with Jack Black, crack jokes the whole time,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask him to like make faces and fucking yeah. <laughs> sing and shit.
1: Uh, yeah, and I just feel like, you know, it could all just be a facade. I don't know. But I just see, it feels like he would be. You know, just a good dude, you know, just a yeah. good solid time. So, and I got to ask them some questions on, you know, how did you get the music versus the actor thing and the comedy thing, you know? So.
0: Such a performer. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, dude. So that's your number three. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kicking mine off. The, the approach, like I said, is that I want to have a conversation with this person, hopefully like a long, fruitful or enjoyable one, mm-hmm. um, And I've been watching this guy on YouTube for a couple years now, and he's very prolific. But it's a guy named Sam Harris. Have you heard of him?
1: I have. Yeah.
0: So he is just like this tour de force of philosophical reasoning and like thinking that kind of side. Like the guy is just so hyper intelligent, and I think has been exposed to basically all of the ideas that have ever been presented so much that he knows like where a conversation is going the moment it starts, you know?
2: Mm. yeah.
0: And I would love to sit in front of him and be like, this is what I think and feel. And I need your responses to these and, and, and that kind of stuff. Like I need to ask you questions kind of deal. Almost like he's a fucking Oracle. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, so would you would you imagine that your um, that your conversation with him would be very much so you just having him field your questions, <laughs> yeah, and, or you know, or would, or hearing more of him kind of uh, just say what he wants to say to you.
0: I th- I mean I've I've gone into the office of professors and asked them questions before, and mm-hmm. I've kind of had experiences that are similar to this. I even actually went and talked to my professor uh, right around the time that you and I started having more, I guess you would say philosophical discussions in our, in our last year together. And I was like, this is what my friend is saying and thinking like, can you, and we would, we would talk about it and stuff. And so I would, I would ask him for his honest point of view, right? Like I would want, like, what is your, you, Sam Harris, your perspective or your response to this. And when I try to counter that, like, can you show me like, what is your, what is your counter Mm and that kind of stuff? And I, I would, It would be just a way for me to kind of test myself, um, figure out if I still related to the things that I was like positing to him after the fact and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I would would go with that, man. Um, All right. What's your number two?
1: So I think I have my top two. I'm wondering uh, if there's a a better or worse way to go about it, but I'm just going to make my second one the political one. Because I think it would be cool to sit down and have a chat with Barack Obama. Really?
0: Yeah. You want to hang out with Barack Obama?
1: He's like the coolest politician or president that we've ever had. At ever. least that's alive.
0: Are we talking about like politicians of stature of the, to the president or just politicians in general?
1: I just feel like... I wouldn't relate as much to any other president or political figure probably as much as I feel like I could probably relate to to Barack Obama. Fair enough. I mean, what, do you, I what mean, do you want to talk about? Well, I would like to see how much I could get out of him. As far as like how much information I could get him to divulge to me because I've always just... not going to give
0: you fucking top secret information, dude? I'm not. Maybe
1: I don't get top secret information, but it's maybe I just get a his little bit for of pers- you. little bit of non-formal perspective, you know? Yeah. I, I, I just think like, there's always been a fascination, not only with me, but I think Americans in general, like what, what it's like to have that much weight on your shoulders. And so I think he had a lot of ups and downs, but I think he had a fairly graceful, you know, go at it. And I think, just to kind of have somebody that had gone through something like that and to be like, you know, I think that there's just some loaded questions like, do you feel markedly older <laughs> after that fucking experience? Well, it's been so eight like, years. Yeah, you know, I mean, just, just kind of understanding what it would take to have to undergo a, a, a tenure like that would be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I have to imagine, at least in my head, every single day they wake up, and something's happening like, yeah, of you course. do not have a weekend. You do not have leisure time. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. But yeah.
0: then again, all the presidents go golf like a lot. So <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's
1: happening. <laughs> I don't know how those do match, but yeah. Um,
0: all right. Well, cool. So my number two, I'm going to go with a scholar that I became aware of in 2015 Named Graeme Kirkpatrick, and he is a, I think, professor at the University of Manchester, if I recall correctly. And he wrote a book called Aesthetic Theory in the Video Game. Um, and it was the first time I was introduced to aesthetic theory. And it was the first time I heard anyone talk about video games in a way that wasn't through a website like IGN or through like a podcast. Mm-hmm. And it set me on a course to where I'm still pursuing my own studies in aesthetic philosophy. Um, and I also have a lot of ideas that I think diverge from what he put in that original book. And I haven't reread it in a bit, but I would like to. And I would also, in the I think in a Sam Harris type of way, like to talk to him and be like, these are the things you say. I want, can I, can you clarify what you mean here? Um, if I, if I'm, if I am receiving what you said, how like correctly? Can here's my counter to that. What would you say to this? You know, yeah, um,
2: absolutely. And it would
0: all be. And this is why I fucking love all of this. Con- like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, hunters. Because you get to learn these crazy, sort of inconsequential systems of thought, like what is art through the lens of video games. And it would just be a fucking awesome (laughs) conversation about games. And I love games and I love conversations. So it would, it would be great.
1: I feel that man. I could absolutely see you enjoying that and like trying to, trying to get your, your counterpoints in. I know you got a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: It'd be fun. So this brings us to number one. I'm kind of struggling for number one.
1: You know, I think I know what I'm going to say from a number one. Because there's curveballs, you could go for a
0: funny one like Scott Stapp, but that's a waste. <laughs> David Blaine might be like fucking crazy to talk to. Who knows?
1: I mean, again, I think I wanna I wanna shoot for an interesting conversation, um, and shoot to uh, get a a perspective from somebody that I respect. And I'm just gonna say it. It's probably not going to be a popular answer, but as much fucking airtime as this person's gotten, I got to go ahead and do it. It'd be probably Elon Musk, dude.
0: Yeah, I figured he had a chance to be in the running. So what do you what do
1: you ask Elon Musk? So, you know, I think the. All of the things that he's already done, I don't really care about (laughs) Right. Like, like fuck your electric cars. You shot
0: a rocket into space. That's all. I kind
1: of understand how a lot of that came into about, came into play. Like he's given a lot of explanation and talked about that a lot. And I've just heard a lot about that. I think I'm just more interested in like hearing some of his perspectives on things that like I personally have researched that I haven't heard him take a, a stance on. Like, how interested he is in like um, longevity, or how interested he is in like CRISPR or blockchain or um, or 3D printing? Like, I think just getting his perspective on one like things that we obviously see are coming to fruition by the advancement of technology over the next ten or fifteen years. But also if he has any just like kind of secrets or like things that he's just like kind of holding in his pocket that would be cool to look out for. You know, yeah. I, I think he just he like, views key things. Insight,
0: like you should be checking this out and you're like, I didn't even consider
1: that. You yeah, know? I think he just views the world in a way that is, uh, I guess, fresh. And well, yeah,
0: he doesn't give a fuck about the status quo. <laughs>
1: <here>. <laughs> and so. He's not I think, here
0: to just accept, like, the, the order of things, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's just, for me, he's always just, it's, even if it's, even if it is kind of pro-mode and um, a little bit, you know, I, I don't know how legitimate and, and true to the facts it honestly is, but the way it feels the efforts that he's taken to do what he has done so far and that he's trying to do, it feels like he's genuinely trying to make the world a better place. Right. Or at least like in line with the, his, his words are like a vision that, of the future that doesn't suck, right? Right, yeah. And so I, I, I would just be interested to see, you know, aside from all the things that he's already kind of posited, what other things he kind of envisions in a future for himself and for others that doesn't suck that, you know, I just think would be interesting.
0: Sure. Yeah, dude, that's cool. Um, kind of in the same line, I think I'm going to keep my number one, not, not very like grand. Um, but I want to relate it to somebody or like a person who has what I would like deem as like some sort of superior work ethic or just like extreme industriousness Hmm. and a person who comes to mind who is a figure in the fighting game community who is from Austin. And he's also the founder of arcade UFO is a guy. His handle is Duck, And I actually don't even know his real name, <laughs> but he owns arcade UFO. Um, and he's not, he's probably only like a few years older than us. He's bilingual. You know, he travels for street fighter, but he also is doing his own thing outside of you know, he, he does competition for him. Isn't a living. It's just something that he, does and it would be fucking cool to talk to him and be like, what does it take to open something like this and make it work at your age and and, and that kind of stuff? Like I wanna be able to put my nose to the grindstone and have my hand in different projects like you in in places that I'm passionate about, you know? Like Yeah. That's really cool that what the business you happen to own is arcade UFO on in the middle of a uh, you know neighborhood street right next to the UT campus. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I think I would do something like that.
1: And I think, you know, speaking to this prompt is that like, I I, I named pretty prominent and relevant celebrities and or famous people, but at the end of the day, I really don't hold anybody in like that, that high of esteem. So it's really more just probing information right and I think that you're probably the same way it's like I just want to I have things that I'm interested in and I think you have things that you're interested in that we just want to get perspective on things related to those that from people that we respect you know yeah so yeah
0: well dunter thank you very much for the prompts for this top three absolutely uh, for giving us this entire segment let's go ahead and roll on to the rest of the mailbags <laughs> Where all the other stupid kids play, we got a few. We got a few uh, questions to throw up here, Hunter, because we've been sitting on them for a bit. Yeah, and they're stacking up. Okay, Um, so I'm gonna toss this first one to you. Actually, no. You know what? Before we do it, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the goddamn deal. I'm having a meltdown. Under the constraints of that last prompt, if you were to say Satoshi Nakamoto, would he show up?
1: So I actually um, heard a person respond to this question saying Satoshi Nakamoto, and I didn't think that that count. Because, Counted.
0: Well, because you would get like, if, if this was some sort of uh, prompt that was bound by the mystical magic of a fucking genie, and you said <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto, <laughs> that he would appear and they would be like, this man would be revealed to you. What do you think, what do you think Satoshi Nakamoto looks like? Is he just a Japanese guy?
1: I don't know, man. It's one of those things that, like, I don't even want to spend a lot of time thinking about it because there's no way I'm going to prove it ever. or There's, like, no way that, like, the more time I think about it, I think it's kind of time. Well, he could prove it, right? He could prove it. It could be proven
0: because he did the first transaction on the blockchain, right? And he could provide the key for the hash. And
1: he'd be like, this is fucking me, guys. I mean, yeah, he could prove it. But, I mean... uh, I don't really care what he looks like. I don't care if he's a white guy or an Arab girl or a right. Chinese transgender person. You
0: know what? We are you know? all <laughs> Satori Knight, whatever the fuck his name is in our hearts. <laughs> it's the real relevant takeaway here. Yep. Okay, first question comes from Junior Ray and it's for you, Hunter. It says, I've personally seen your growth in DBFZ, and when we play sets, I'm happy to see you level up. Your knowledge bank has and will continue to fill up with time. Based on the lessons you have learned thus far, give us a short list of do's and don'ts for new players to follow. This will be targeted at players completely unfamiliar with fighting games. I love this question.
1: (laughs) Okay, so um, I think the first thing that I probably started picking up was uh, just learning the jump cancel, man. I think learning yeah. the timing for, you know, getting your hits, jump canceling, getting your hits, and just spending the time on the timing of hits, because I am very, very prone to inappropriate button mashing, so learning just, like, timing of when hits, hit windows are, was yeah. important for me to kind of figure out. Of course, blocking is incredibly important. I'm still... um I'm still picking up, you know, the uh, my my behavioral sort of integrity on that because I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time playing really good players that make me really, you know, just harness everything I can out of blocking the best I can. I I've still been pretty like attack heavy, but of course blocking is like super important. And luckily DBFZ's I guess block system is fairly simple. And like you know, you can kind of very forgiving. You can kind of pick it up pretty quickly. And then I guess uh, the third thing is um, just uh, I guess being aware of all aspects of the tools that are at your disposal, right? Especially in this game, you know, you have three people on your team that if they get kind of fucked up in one go, you can kind of switch them out and they can recover health. You also have uh, a meter that builds up over time that you can use for special moves. You also have um, assists that you can do. You have three different kinds of supers or whatever. Basically, you have a lot of fucking options. And I think not thinking about the game in like a linear fashion where it's like, oh, when this happens, then I'll do this and then that. just kind of being open to thinking about like being adaptable and just using what's at your advantage, even though you're naturally going to create habits or whatever, but just continue trying to rebuild and build up what you can do in any given situation. It's fucking golden, dude. That's a really good set of advice. Things I, but for <laughs> things I wouldn't suggest you do is don't fucking super dash all the time. Yeah. Knock that shit off, because people will punish you. And then, um. I guess the other thing I would suggest not doing is just button mashing, man. Just be patient. And cuz that's exactly what I do, man. And I'm I'm I still do it. I still Yeah. open the game and button the mash the fuck out of stuff and uh um, right. it's 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 a habit I'm still trying to overcome.
0: Well, Junior Ray has got another question of the bank. Still talking about fighting games. He says, "In the course of a game, where are your eyes typically focused?" Um he wants to know what space uh, what space on the screen we are focused on and how often we are looking at it. I thought it was kind of an interesting question because it's stuff mm. that I've thought about before. Mm. The guy that I play at work, he is able to take in the entire screen all at once. And you know, when he said when he tells when he tells me about how to view the game, that's what he says. He's like, "You should be able to see the entire screen all at once. You need to know how much life you have, how much life they have, how much meter they have, how much meter you have." And with DBFZ, you were talking about the options, and there's a lot of visual information on the screen when your assists are recovering, when an assist is being used, um, things like counter on the on the screen and stuff like that. Yeah. That being said, like, it's really hard to do that. It's hard for you to look at the entire screen, and I kind of wish that I could. And I'd say that I typically am looking at my own character, and I don't think that's necessarily the best thing to do because you also need to be focusing on your opponent so you can... Right read and and react to what they are doing. Um so I I think the best is to try to like view them both in relation to each other and find wherever it is you got to look to make that your central focus. So you are open and alert to everything that's on the screen because you can you can figure out when they are trying to get their assists out mm-hmm. or when they're trying to switch a character and you can fucking blow them up for that, you know. Yeah.
1: Um so, again, as my single point of reference, um, I think with DBFZ and probably similar fighting games, um, my character is my anchor point of reference, right? So um, I never... Uh, the, the, the first thing I'm going to make sure of is that I know where my player is at. Um, that being said, when I feel comfortable where I'm at, and what I'm thinking about considering doing next, I'm reading not only what my character's doing, but also um, like their health bar, um, you know, whether or not, because especially with DBFZ, it's like if their health bar's low, they're probably going to bring in an assist, and I can punish and start my next combo, right? Um, I'm, I'm looking at their meter to see, you know, if they open me up, are they going to be able to finish off my guy, so, I mean, I would say just generally my anchor point is my character and that I sort of funnel everything outside of, like after I feel comfortable with where my character is, um, I kind of funnel all whatever remaining attention into my character and, and all the other information on the screen.
0: Kick ass. All right, last question comes from Dur- Dunter Horset. who asks, what kind of business would you say, quote unquote, runs in the family, Hunter What's the Dorset fucking way? What's what is the nature
1: of the Dorsets? So, I think there's two ways of looking at this, right? Cuz it's worded that runs in the family, not runs in your family. So I think it's I think Dunter's trying to get at like a a bit a, a type of occupation that can be that is often passed down amongst generations.
0: Oh, okay. I read it completely differently, but I'm happy to go with that. Uh, because because well. I
1: mean, and I think that'll be more interesting for me because to be completely honest, like we don't have a, 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 a semblance of anything that is similar amongst <laughs> Dorsets, right? So my uh my grandfather was like in the military for a while. Uh my father was a Brick and Stone distribution salesman. And my brother is, you know, uh, he works on internal development in a consulting manner. So, we just don't have a whole lot of overlap. I'm an auditor. right? <laughs> Something I think that runs in the family generally, uh, of course, you got your sports, right? Like, you know, you have NFL football players that breed and get NFL football player sons. Breed and uh Fucking stick
0: their dicks and baby makers
1: <laughs> yeah and, and it's surprising like how often you see that stuff man you'll be like oh that's you know so-and-so's son and then the next generation comes and that's so-and-so's grandson And you're like man like whatever they're doing there's something in that water right right um got some healthy balls <laughs> um I could imagine like real estate being something that maybe goes in the family. You know, like, I don't All know right. why. This is fucking boring on Come on. I don't know, man.
2: Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> I would think. Preacher. Uh, <laughs> what's that? What'd Preacher. You say? Preacher. Uh, I think about things that are highly skill dependent or like technique dependent. And I think of um, like restaurants or storefront, like cafes, like maybe this guy makes gelato with fucking local ingredients from around the area, and he passes down his recipes and his techniques, and his fucking waffles are the best or whatever, you know, like shit like that. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I don't know, or fucking <laughs> in my family this specifically. This is boring, dude. <laughs> that's at least better than real estate. Yeah, Come real on. estate's
1: pretty bunk answer. Yeah,
0: I think in my in my family, it would be like entertainment. I feel like my family is always entertaining. So that's the kind of business we would run. Okay, cool. Anyway, thank you for we'll the question, it. Dunter. Um, <laughs> dude, and thank you to everybody who emails in. Yeah. Show at gmail.com. You guys keep this show interesting with like having a back half. And we, it does not go unnoticed that there's a core group of people who can constantly contribute. And you guys are... Like I just want to say thank you, you know. Yeah. Very much appreciate
1: it. You are, you are our saviors. We appreciate you and we love you.
0: Hunter, last words on the beer, my man. Let's let's get the gesture out. Okay, one more last little sip, a simp Out of that gigantic goblet.
1: I will say that, you know, over time, I think the um the the cayenne pepper kind of chills out a little bit. I think when it's I think when it's fresh out of the can and even maybe a little cold um that's very forefront and it's even a little biting um after it kind of after it kind of opens up and warms warms up you know the cayenne is definitely still present but it's not as biting um and it's kind of melded in with the rest of kind of the creamy typical milk stout character that you get in um that you get in your milk stouts, right? Like you get kind of, I don't know if it's chocolatey, but it's roasty and, uh, you know, it has some, has some maltiness to it. And yes, yeah, uh, I would say other than cayenne, it's just kind of like creamy and relatively thick body. So I like it, man. I, I, I cannot, um, I can't give it a bad grade because I think, yeah, you know, it
0: sounds good, dude. I I've liked it every step of the way cool
1: yeah no i think it's definitely like a swing for the fences and i don't know if it hit the fences but it definitely made it on second base at least
0: you <laughs> heard the crack <laughs> of the bat for sure
1: yeah my and my i guess my uh my facial expression to go with it would be like eyebrows raised right eyes wide open <laughs> i i sit back in my chair look around at other people and i'm like <laughs> wow you know you guys tasting
0: this right now <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. Um, yeah, dude. So, the, what the final words I'll put on on this whiskey, this single malt single malt Scotch, is that it seems deceptively easy to drink. It's like almost light, and it's so mellow that you can just take a nice swig and, and kind of swallow it, and then. Kind of like we talked about last week with a mark of a good alcoholic beverage being that it like sticks around in your mouth. This thing just fills your mouth. That your entire up like the roof of it into your nose with just flavor with its flavor. And it just hangs out. And the flavor is so present. It's like it's bright. It's like underneath the surface of the water, all this shit's just dancing around. And <laughs> it fucking blows up the second you you swallow it. You know, it's it's really fucking good, man. Like I said, it's gonna be an obvious uh, choice for what, when I want something good to drink and I'm honestly lucky to have it. So that's (laughs) the Glenn Rothis 1988 Hunter. We're going to go ahead and end the show there. You can subscribe to us on podcast apps of your preference. Just hit subscribe. All of our episodes show up for free every week. Uh, If you don't have a phone, and this is some sort of weird <laughs> scenario where you're on the internet only. <laughs> Go to wittybantershow.com. Because our episodes are there too. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at wittybantershow. And you can follow me. I'm at Bodacious chase. Hunter has uh, got a YouTube channel called Crypto Diesel. And Max is on Twitter. He is at probably Max. We will see you all next week. That's been episode number 154. Thank you so
2: much for joining me, Hunter.